you never know when Keith asks you to speak what's coming next, huh? <laughs> and uh, it's great to be together with you today. Um, I want to talk today about the voice of the enemy that sabotages us in our spiritual lives. And i got to say, the room was dark, but I did hear the voice of the enemy who shouted out, we were hot at that retreat. And so I don't know, man. I wasn't. Uh, it was nice and cool. But um, if yeah, your Bible's like you to turn uh, with me to several passages of Scripture, I want to start in 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8. As pa- Pastor Keith talked last week about the voice of God, the voice of the Lord, and how He speaks to us. I want to talk a little bit today about some competing voices, probably the, the, the most competing voice with the voice of God that's attempting to get your attention. And write that down. Uh, the voice of the enemy is trying and attempting everything he can do uh, to get your attention. And we want to look at some of his schemes and some of the ways that he works. And I'm just going to give you a lot of scripture today uh, because we don't, uh, I don't think we have the capacity within ourselves uh, to deal with this enemy. And so I want to give you the Word of God, the living, powerful Word of God, which is uh, stronger than a two-edged sword and able to engage us uh, as this enemy, the voice of the enemy, comes and speaks against us. In 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 8, it says this, Be self-controlled and alert. Your enemy, the devil, prowls around like a roaring lion looking for someone to devour. Your enemy, the devil, is like a roaring lion. I've had the privilege of being on some safaris in Africa recently and and got a chance to see a lion probably as close up as uh, Pastor Keith is to me right now, Uh, but it's not wise to get close to a lion that hasn't already devoured something. And uh, we got pretty close because right next to that lion was a devoured carcass. And, And that lion, I still have images of my mind of being so close to that lion that was so satisfied and so content. And all I can think about is this enemy who's trying to speak, attempting to get our attention. When he begins to devour us, uh, he's just content, satisfied that he has done uh, his job. I read this one time. It says this, the devil is like a mad dog that is chained up. He is powerless to harm us when we're outside his reach. But once we enter his circle, we expose ourselves again to injury or to harm. Now, let me tell you something. That's not saying that that dog can't get out, right? Some of you aren't getting too close to that dog, and sometimes that dog can get out, and Satan will chase us down looking for someone to devour. But I also believe with all my heart that in the day and the age that we're living in, we're flirting inside the circle of of that mad dog. And we're getting a little bit too close Uh, for comfort, and then we wonder why we're being exposed to some of the attacks of the enemy. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 11, in order that Satan might not outwit us, the scripture says in the NIV, we are not unaware of his schemes. I looked at that in a few other translations. In the uh, New King James, it says, we're not unaware of his devices. In the uh, Amplified Bible, it says, we're not unaware of his intentions to do harm to us. I love the message. It says this, we're not oblivious to his sly ways. Isn't that good? Because <laughs> a lot of us, this competing voice is coming against us. It's attempting to get our attention. And because we're not aware of his schemes and his devices and his sly ways, because we're oblivious to these ways, we're finding ourselves under, giving in to this voice. 
2 Corinthians chapter 11, verse 14 says, In order that Satan might not outwit us, uh, it goes on, No wonder, for Satan himself masquerades as an angel of light. Let me just talk just a few moments before we jump into your outline about some of Satan's standard schemes. I think if you were to describe from a biblical point of view, what are his standard schemes that a lot of us are aware of? We get kind of used to these. I, I wrote down, he attacks, wages, he wages warfare, and he attracts, lures, and try to tempt us into doing things. He's always att he attracts, and he attacks us. That's a, one of his standard schemes. He opposes, and he oppresses. How many of you have ever been trying to do something great for the Lord? And, and how many times is there's a great, Paul talks about this effectual open door, but there are many who oppose. There are many that come against us. Satan loves to oppose and he loves to oppress. He oppresses uh, through, through, through many schemes that he speaks. Uh, I also noticed that he baits and batters. I mean, really, he's, he's baiting. He's trying to fish a hook. He's trying to catch, that, uh, catch us in the act of sinning. And he's always trying to bait him and he batters us. The Bible says he blinds us and he binds us. The, the, the Satan, one of his standard uh, uh, operating procedures is he's blinding and he's binding. And because he's blinding, the Bible says, also he's distorting and distracting. He distorts the truth in, in unusual ways. And we see a lot of people that start going off on the wrong kind of direction because they're distorting the truth of God. They're not doing what God would have them to do. And they're being distracted through the deceptions of the enemy. So many passages of Scripture that talk about this enemy who's distracting us. Well, we know that he also afflicts and he conflicts. He's a conflicting voice. Anytime the enemy comes in, he's always conflicting. There's always disunity. There's always a divide when the enemy comes in and begins to get a stronghold. He's always afflicting people and coming upon them and in strong and powerful ways. He devastates and he devours that roaring lion that comes to, de to seek whom he may devour. And once he has devoured, once we've let that mad dog out and moved into his circle, I want to let you know that devastation comes from that. The Bible says, I read to you in the passage of Scripture in 2 Corinthians 11, that he masquerades and he massacres. He seeks whom he may kill and destroy. He masquerades and he massacres. But lastly, he sneaks. He's sneaky. <laughs> He's a sneaky dog. He's a sneaky lion. But lastly, listen to this. He speaks. He speaks. You know, as I was reading through these standard operating procedures of Satan... And his standard schemes, I've seen and heard about how he attacks and attracts, and he opposes and oppresses. He baits and batters. He blinds and binds. He distorts and distracts. He afflicts and conflicts. He devastates and devours. He masquerades and massacres. But I never thought too much about this idea that he just speaks. In fact, there are many places in, in the Bible, we're, all, we're often aware of his shock and awe, but the subtle ways that he, that he moves among us, uh, we're not often prepared for, and I don't think many of us are times are prepared for those subtle voices that the enemy begins to speak into our lives. And I want to take a closer look at this concept of how he speaks. Uh, you know, I was just speaking at a church uh, just a, a week or so ago, and, and uh, was talking to the pastor, who's a very successful businessman. Uh, in a large city, and he pastors this church on, on, on the side. And an amazing story about how God, we got a phone call at Go International from them about 20 years ago, and, and he told Larry Cochran, the former president of Go, he said, uh, uh, Brother Larry, he said, we, we've just um, 
uh, been struck by lightning. Got a church got struck by lightning, and it burned to the ground. And he heard this other voice on the other phone saying, "Praise Jesus." <laughs> He said, I wasn't quite ready for that. He said, but, you know, he, he, he began, Larry Cochran began to recognize that when the enemy's coming against us, the, the Lord's trying to do something great. And so they started, they had to, the whole church burned down, and they started it with nothing, and they had to move to a school, and revival broke out in that school, and the church has grown and grown and grown, and I, I couldn't believe how far out in the country I was when I went to this place uh, last weekend, but this huge church right out in the middle of a cow field, and how God's been working. So I'm just excited to be a part of this thing, and I get uh, talking to the pastor, and he's just discouraged as can be. And I'm trying to encourage him a little bit, trying to bring some you know, perspective to some of the battles that he's facing. And, and finally, he looks at me in the eye and he says, I, I, I guess I need to just stop listening to the voice of the enemy. And I realize, you know, a lot of us are being battered by this voice, this voice that's competing with the voice of God, and it's attempting to get our attention. And many of us are being brought down low and low and low because we're not prepared at these schemes, these devices, these sly techniques that the enemy is using in our lives. Well, I want to Satan use all, uses all kinds of voices. He can disguise his voice. He masquerades as an angel of light, and he can disguise his all voice. We have an image in our mind when we think of Satan. You have a, a picture, probably every one of you have a picture in your mind of, of this image that we've seen on television and cartoons with horns and a, and a pitchfork, you know, and all that kind of stuff. That's what a red outfit and all that kind of stuff. And that's what the enemy looks like to us. And probably even beyond that, we have a, an image of what the uh, Satan sounds like. It's an evil, evil voice. I'm going to tell you something. I don't think that's the case. Because he uses some voices. Because if it was the evil voice all the time, some of you would be like, whoa, get out. You know, we'd be resisting Satan. But he comes in such, he uses such voice choices uh, to, to bring about these, these subtleties, these strategic uh, uh, schemes that he has. And if we're not aware of his schemes, then we may buy into these voices. Take out your outline. I want to share you briefly uh, this morning some of the ways that Satan speaks in the Scripture. First of all, I would suggest to you today that Satan speaks the voice of doubt. The voice of doubt. One of the voice choices that, that Satan loves to use is the voice of doubt. And I, I have to quickly turn to Genesis chapter 3, verses 1 to 4. Now the serpent, that's Satan, the devil, was more crafty than any other wild animals that the Lord God had made. Notice this. He said, he said. Some of us don't believe that we think Satan does all this stuff. We don't think Satan speaks. Satan has a voice, and a voice choice that he uses, one of them is he, he's the voice of doubt. And so Satan said to the woman, and I love the way, it wasn't this evil, demonic voice. It was probably something fairly sweet, very questioning. Did, did, did God really say that? It's kind of a, a voice of doubt. And he said to the woman, you must not eat from uh, any tree of the garden. The woman said to the serpent, we may eat any fruit from the tree of the garden, but God did say, you must not eat from the fruit of the tree that's in the middle of the garden, and you must not touch it, or you will die. You will surely die, the serpent said to the woman. You want to tell you something, this voice that Satan loves to use, it's a really, really interesting voice that he uses. It's very subtle. It's kind of a soft-spoken voice, and I think it goes something like this. You know, we, we've been trained, and we've been equipped in the Word of God, and God speaks to us, and we're hearing God's Word and God's voices, and, and so many times we, we hear this voice, and we're like, I don't know. I mean, you've been trained this. God's word says this, but I don't know if it's really true. I don't know if that really applies to you. Satan loves to be the voice of doubt. 
And so many times we know truth, we know right from wrong, and we hear this voice saying, well, I think it's okay this time. I think, I think, I think you need to be happy. You deserve to be happy. You deserve to have fun. You'll be happier if you do this. And it's this, this voice of doubt. We know truth. We know what righteousness is like. But this voice of doubt, Satan loves to bring about the voice of doubt in your life. Did God really say Satan loves to doubt the promises of God. He loves to doubt the convictions that have been placed in your heart as you read and study Scripture. One of the voice choices that Satan uses is simply this voice of doubt. Number two, I would suggest to you that the second voice choice that he uses is the voice of temptation and the voice of pleasure. The voice of temptation, the voice of pleasure. He's always doubting what God said and the truth that God's given us. He's always trying to dangle. He's trying to bait us to trying to take the bait of Satan. Ephesians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5 says this, As for you, you were dead in your trans transgressions and sins, in which you used to live when you have followed the ways of this world and the ruler of the kingdom of the air, the spirit who is now at work, and those who are living in disobedience. You used to live this way. This is the ways that you used to follow. Until you met Christ, he's going to go on to say, and he says in verse 3, all of us used to live among them at one time. Here's what we used to do. Gratifying the cravings of our sinful nature and following its desires and its thoughts. Let me say that again. Gratifying the cravings of the sinful nature and following its desires and its thoughts. Like the rest, we were nature objects of wrath. But because of his great love for us, God who is rich in mercy made us alive with Christ. Even when we were dead in our transgressions, it is by grace that you've been saved. Paul's, what Paul's saying is that was the old life. This is the way you used to live. You used to gratify these, these sinful nature and follow its desires and the thinking of the sinful nature. But when Christ came into your life, you lived differently. You put that behind you. It's for, by grace that you've been saved. And so what we have to understand is Christ wants us to live a new life, but we have this voice that comes from the enemy that so strongly tries to sabotage us and take us back. Let me tell you, it's the voice of temptation. You know, remember when you used to do this? Remember how much fun that was? Remember how much pleasure that was? And this voice of temptation and this voice of pleasure is always trying to identify with the old sinful nature that had been redeemed by the blood of Jesus Christ. It's a strong, it's a strong voice, but it's a very tempting voice. It's a very luring voice voice. It's a very pleasurable voice because we think, man, I, well, when Satan came, remember the story in Genesis chapter 3 we just read a minute, minute ago? Uh, when Satan came, it wasn't some demonic voice that spoke to him. It was just the voice of doubt. Did God really say? And from the voice of doubt, the voice of temptation began to speak. And the Bible tells us in, in Genesis chapter 3 that he just kept started laying out the voice of temptation and the voice of pleasure started saying, I don't know if God really meant that. I mean, God knows that if you, if you ate of that, you'd become like God. And, and so he's laying out this voice of temptation. And then all of a sudden, the Bible says, And when Eve saw how good it was and how pleasing to the eye and how desirable it was, you know what? Satan was speaking the language of the voice of the flesh, the voice of temptation, and the voice of, of pleasure. You see, sometimes he comes and and Satan tries to come, he's the voice of doubt. Sometimes he comes, he's the voice of temptation, and he's the voice of, of pleasure. Number three, he's the voice of false promises. 
He is the voice of false promises. Let's go back to this idea. Remember, he's the voice of doubt and he's the voice of temptation. Some of you may have been surprised that when I talked about the voice of temptation, I didn't talk about uh, Matthew chapter 4 or Luke chapter 4 about the temptation of Jesus. Well, that's what we're going to talk about, the false promises, because when Satan's come, he's trying to bring all these lures from other things and pleasure, uh, the passage of Ephesians that we read about. But let me take you to, to Mark chapter 4. It says, Then Jesus was led by the Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And he's going to use a voice here. It's not the demonic voice. It's a, it's a voice of false promises. It's a voice of guarantees, if you would. How many of you have ever bought something that had a guarantee with it and found out later that there was some fine clause that it didn't work? Anyone do that? <laughs> I hate it when that happens. This is small print. And he comes. He's so convincing in this voice. It's not a demonic voice. He's very convincing. And he begins to, all these promises. So Jesus is led by the Spirit into the wilderness. And he's being tempted. After 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. The tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, remember this voice uh, of the enemy, he loves to doubt God's word. Multiple times through this temptation is the questions, If you are the Son of God. He's trying to get Jesus to doubt his deity. Trying to get Jesus to doubt the fact that he was the Son of God. If you are, if you were, over and over in this passage of Scripture, if you are the Son of God, Tell these stones to become bread. Jesus answered, it is written, man does not live by bread alone, but on every word that comes from the mouth of God. By the way, when these voices come at you, I don't recommend you come up with your best, best line of defense when it comes to that, because you're not good enough to defend against these voices. You know what the best voice is? The word of God. It is God's word that becomes our stronghold that we stand on. And, and your best thought, your best counsel, your best wisdom is nothing against this enemy who's attempting to get your attention. But stand on the word of God. And the devil took him to a holy city and had him stand on the highest point of the temple, the scripture says in verse 5. Verse 6, if you are the son of God, speaking more doubt, throw yourself down, for it is written... He will command his angels concerning you, and they will lift you up in their hands so that you will not strike your foot against the stone. Jesus answered and said unto him, It is written, Do not put the Lord your God to the test. And again the devil took him to a very high mountain and showed him all the kingdoms of this world and splendor. And he says this, verse 9, All this I will give to you, he said, if you will bow down and worship me. Jesus said to him, Away from me, Satan, for it is written, Worship the Lord your God and serve him only. Then the devil left him, and the angels came and attended him. One of the most amazing things is that Jesus combated these voices of, of, of false promises and, and uh, all these things that Satan tried to lure him with. He com combated it with the Word of God. Now, let me tell you something about this. Everything he promised to Jesus, he didn't have the power or the ability to accomplish. But man, the lure is so strong. And, and, and Satan's come to you and said, man, you know, forsake this way. Don't do it this way the way you've been raised. Don't do this about the way the Word of God says. Just do it this way. And if you do it this way, I promise you promotion and all this kind of stuff. And there have been times that that voice has been so strong, we've bought into those false promises from the enemy. And we sit at the end of the, that road going, wait a minute, I thought this was going to be the result. A lot of brokenness. A lot of brokenheartedness. A lot of disappointment, a lot of depression, a lot of anguish, a lot of heartache, because we listen to the voice of false promises. 
Thomas Brooks effectively wrote one time, Satan promises the best, but he pays the worst. He promises honor and pays with disgrace. He promises pleasure and he pays with pain. He promises profit and pays with loss. He promises life but pays with death. You see, Satan is the voice of doubt. He's the voice of temptation and pleasure, the voice of false promises. Number four, he's the voice of lies. They're false promises. He's just doing whatever he can do. He's attempting to gain your attention, attempting to get you off course, attempting to sabotage you off your spiritual path. And he'll use whatever voice it takes, blatant, out and out lies that he used to catch our attention. John chapter 8, verse 44. You belong to your father, the devil, and you want to carry out your father's desires. He was a murderer from the beginning, not holding to the truth, for there is no truth in him. When he lies, I love this, he speaks his native language. When you travel with me around the world, you go into some places, and I take people that are learning Spanish, and we go into a Spanish-speaking country, and they can communicate a little bit, but it's often difficult because they don't speak the native language. It's one of the reasons why we like to work through partnerships is because we're getting people who speak the native language, and it's so easy to communicate when you're working through someone who speaks the native language. You can pick out someone who's trying to speak another language pretty easily because they're like, um, and they pronounce it wrong, right? You know, And they're saying these words, and the, the, native, the, the nationals are kind of laughing a little bit because you're not speaking your native language. But when Satan lies... He's not pretending. He's not trying to, he's speaking his native language. He's the father, it goes on. When he lies, he's speaking his native language, for he is a liar, and in fact, he is the father of lies. That's why he's so good at it. That's why so many of us are drawn away and sabotaged in our spiritual life. We've bought into the lies of Satan. We've heard these things which, 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 uh, the, the Word of God has taught us, we know is true, but He's lied to us over and over and over again. In fact, some of you, sometimes when Satan uses this voice of lies, he doesn't even use his own voice. He uses the voice of others. How many of you have ever heard those voices, those lies that have come at you from all different sides and from people you loved and care about and, and, and found out later it was just the voice of lies? There's this fable which tells of three apprentice devils who were, were coming before Satan uh, and to finish their apprenticeship. And they were talking to Satan, the chief of the devils, about their plans to tempt and to ruin men. The first said to Satan, he said, I've got an idea how we can accomplish this task. He said, I, I will tell them that there is no God. And Satan just shook his head and he said, well, that won't work. Uh, for everyone knows that there's a God and that God exists. The second said, I'll tell them that that there's no hell, that there's no consequences for a life of sin, and there's no such place as hell. And, and some of you have heard that lie many, many times. Satan said, no, that won't work either. You, you, can deceive, you can deceive some that way, but that won't work for the majority because a lot of people know that there is a hell. Finally, the third apprentice spoke up and he said this, I will tell men that there's no hurry, no need to do something now. To that, Satan said, that will work. Run and, and tell men you've got plenty of time to make these decisions. Satan is the voice of lies. Number five, he's the voice of accusation. 
In Revelation chapter 12, verse 10, Then I heard a loud voice in heaven say, Now have come to salvation and the power of the kingdom of our God and the authority of the Christ for the accuser of our brethren who accuses them before God day and night has been hurled down. Let me tell you about Satan's plan. He's also he's the voice of lies, but he's so strongly the voice of accusation. In fact, some of us have bought into some lies that we've heard through the years that have come from other people. They're accusations against us. And we begin to buy into this voice of accusation. Some of you, it's amazing to me, sometimes the longer we walk in our spiritual journeys, so often Satan will let us go at the beginning until sometimes when we're moving towards some deeper things of God, and he wants to kind of attack us. Like, well, Bert, you call yourself a Christian, a spiritual leader, and, and yet there's this attack, this accusation. Well, you, you had this thought, or, or you think this. You're not as good as so-and-so, or you're not as Christ-like, or you're not as disciplined, or as you're not as you're not in these accusations. And we start listening to the voice of the enemy and to his lies and to his accusations, and it's not long we've been sabotaged. The voice of accusation, Zechariah 3, 1. Then he showed me Joshua, the high priest, standing before the angel of the Lord, and Satan standing at his right side to do what? To accuse him. Day and night, the scripture tells us that he stood there to accuse the brethren. It was Job in the first few chapters. Job saying, look, here's my servant. Here's my servant. He's righteous. He's, he lives right. No, it doesn't even, he shuns evil. He doesn't even get near that dog. He, he does what is right. And on and on the list goes. And Satan, you know what Satan did at the side of Jesus that day? All he could bring about Job, why God's saying, he's my boy. He's my guy. Look at him. If you want to see a perfect specimen of a person who loves me and lives for me, Job's the guy. And while God's bragging on Job, the entire time, Satan's speaking lies of accusation. Well, the only reason he does that is because you protect him. You've got this hedge around him. You, you pull that hedge off him, and he'll totally turn against you because he's weak. He's, he's nothing. And he buy into the lies and the accusations of the enemy. He's the voice of doubt. He's the voice of temptation and pleasure. He's the voice of false promises. He's the voice of lies. He's the voice of accusation. But number six, he's the voice of deception. Acts chapter 5, there's this great revival taking place. The witch most churches I ever get a chance to speak in would love to be a part of where God is adding to the church daily. He goes from adding to the church daily. He's multiplying to the church. And then after chapter 4, he's multiplying greatly the things that God is doing in the life of the church. But there was a voice that began to speak in the early church. It was not the voice of God. It was not the voice of the disciples, the apostles, it was not even the voice of the Holy Spirit. It was the voice of the enemy that tries to sabotage what is good and godly. Chapter 5, verse 3 of the book of Acts says this, And Peter said, Ananias, how is it that Satan has filled your heart, so filled your heart, that you have lied to the Holy Spirit and have kept back for yourself some of the money you received for the land? Here, here's the voice. What was happening is that it was a voice of deception because everyone, the Holy Spirit's moving and people, when the Holy Spirit moved on people, they were bringing their houses and their, their stuff and saying, look, if this, can help the, if this can help the cause, if this can help expand the kingdom of God, if this can do this and that, and people were doing it, it was genuine. And Satan says, um, he starts speaking some lies and then he starts trying to lure away a little bit and, and, and some of these uh, accusations and, and, and then this deception comes in. Well, if you'll just pretend to be like everyone else, no one will know. There's the lie. 
No one will ever know. And so you come and, and you kind of walk up to that offering plate and kind of put your hand like you're dropping something in. They'll, know, they'll think you're putting a big check in. They won't have any idea that you're just going through the motions pretending. And so the problem was they're kind of, Ananias and, and his wife are going through this, this kind of make-believe session of what it is to be spiritual, all the while listening to the voice of the enemy who has so filled their hearts. <clears throat> and he's saying things like this, just, just pretend that you're that way. Pretend to be something that you're not. To be someone that you're not. And man, the Holy Spirit says to Peter, hey, that third one in line, they've been deceived by the voice of the enemy. And the Holy Spirit began to reveal to Peter and those apostles about this deception, and they had so filled, and they, they even right there on the spot, they lied. It was the voice of of deception. You see, the enemy knows nothing of authenticity. And once he, he, you get moving in that stream where the idea is a performance-based religion, the enemy speaks this voice of deception saying, okay, at least on Sundays act this way and Pastor Keith will never know. Uh, pretend to be living a spiritual life. Pretend to do this. Keep on living a life of pretending. And all the while, Satan's so filling the hearts of people who've been lured away into the circle of the big dog and are being deceived. The voice of deception, number seven, is the voice of betrayal. John chapter 13, verse 2. The evening meal was being served, and the devil had already prompted Judas Iscariot, son of Simon, to betray Jesus. The question I want to ask is Matthew 16, verse 26. What good will be for some to gain the whole world and yet lose their, or forfeit their own soul? Or what will a man give in exchange for his soul? What would it take from the voice of the enemy, the voice of deception, to betray the one who died for us? But he's also in Isaiah 14, verse 13 and 14. He's the voice of pride. He said in your heart, I will send to heaven, Satan said. I will raise my throne above the stars of God. I will sit enthroned on the mountain of assembly and utmost heights and sacred mountain. I will ascend above the tops. I will make myself I, 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 I. It's the voice of pride. Remember Satan? I remember Peter when, when he denied Jesus. He had that voice of pride. The pride that came in was the voice of Satan. If all these other people fail you, I never will. I never will. I, 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 I. And let me remind you of this as I close. First John 2 verse 16. For all that is in the world the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but of the world. The voice of doubt, the voice of temptation, the voice of false promises, the voice of lies, the voice of accusation, the voice of deception, the voice of betrayal, the voice of pride. Today, can I ask you a question? Are you recognizing one or more of these voice choices that the enemy is trying to use in your life to sabotage you? God's voice is stronger. God's voice is right. In Ephesians 6, it says, Put on the form of God so you can take your stand against the devil's schemes. And then it goes on to say this, And having done all to stand, stand firmly. Normally, in a, in a, in a type of service like this, we ask people to gather around the altar and kneel and to pray if you've been hearing these voices. But today I want to ask you a question as I close in prayer as we sing this last song. If you've been plagued and sabotaged by the voice of the enemy, I want to invite you to come and just stand around the altar here. And I'm going to ask Pastor Keith to come and to pray over you because 
We've got to be delivered from this voice that sabotages us and tries to lead us and devour us. Father, I pray for someone here this morning that's, that's been hearing the voice of the enemy and it's been sabotaging their spiritual life. Lord, help us to recognize his subtle schemes and the subtle ways that he moves. And God, I pray that you'd help some people in this room this morning to take that step of faith and to kneel around, stand around this altar and take a stand against the voice of the enemy. God, I pray that you'd pray over the people in this room against the prey of the enemy, that they may not be devoured and destroyed by the things that the enemy's trying to bring about in their life. And we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.